0: and I'm going to tell you all about it. Uh, yeah, Barry, I'm ready. I've got a new track that I'm on, a new perspective. I, during this time and before, I developed a, uh, a mindset, as it were, an attitude towards River Church and what we should be doing because I'm, I'm the principal uh, oracle here, or, orator, whatever you call it. Uh, I'll give it up any time, but right now that's the way that is. So I have to have direction, like we all do, about where we go. Because just preaching the word, although it's wonderful and it's always good, we have to be on the right place at the right time concerning what we teach and why. Y'all remember the story, and and it's well known that after uh, it wasn't good, Coach Bryant, I, I forget, Barry probably knows, something led him to go into the locker room during the next after the game And he brought a football in and he told the team who had been working their X's and O's and their defenses and their offenses. He held it out there and said, boys, this is a football. We're going back to the basics. Apparently, they'd missed some basics. Well, I'm not I'm certainly not uh, inferring that we've missed some basics, but all people need the basics. You cannot grow higher than the foundation in your life. And so we all know a lot, and I wrote down because I said it last, uh, last Wednesday when we started a new series on the integrity of the Word. I'm in that same vein. We're going to start talking about basics. And you may say, well, we'll be bored. Well, we're not looking for the whole world to be new to you. We just need to fill in, chink in whatever's missing. And there'll be things said that you'll go, you know, I never knew that. Uh, I, I, that, that's, that's been the limit to me he, being healed or, or the answer we're endeavoring for her Holy Spirit to tell us what's missing in each one of our lives this is a football yeah. so we're doing the integrity of the word so that we don't just we just don't hear that the word is true every whit but that we know it and what you know you will do what you believe is what you'll do so that's what we're going to do concerning this morning the blood of Jesus I hadn't preached on the blood that I can tell in my notes for twelve years. For for eight years. For eight years. I preached on it in two thousand twelve. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put down a big old stab on the blood of Jesus. And we sang one this morning, and you can just you can sense the anointing that comes in when the blood of Jesus is lifted up. And when we when we yield to it, you, you just know it's better now. Amen. So if you would, turn in your Bible with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 12. We'll start there. We'll begin at the ending. Hoo-hoo! We're on a good track, y'all. It's gonna be fine. It won't take forever to get the basics in. But then, uh, another thing is, This is the other side of that. It's not just for y'all. When River Church begins to grow or whatever the Lord does for us and increase, it's obvious that people cannot catch up just coming to Sunday morning, Wednesday night. They can read and they can listen and all that, but we're endeavoring to put a library an archive together where people can say, that's the blood of Jesus. I know nothing about the blood of Jesus. Here's the integrity of the word. I don't know... I don't, I've always heard that uh, part of the Bible was wonky and and they just ignore it. You need to listen to that series. So we're going to build an archive, put it online. You ought to go into Billings Ministries and look at all the sets that our webmaster has put up there. Some of them are amazing. And Pamela's been working on some, uh, the lost, the lost uh, lessons on prayer that Debbie did, that she just did them, didn't put a label on them. She took terrible notes. I thought I could. She always just started a sentence, and she knew where that was going. But here I am trying to figure out what that sentence meant. So we uh, panel went through and listened to them, took notes, and we know what's in them now. We're going to put those up because if there's anything that's missing at River Church, and I'm not saying there is, it's prayer. We we just don't, you know. You know why. And all that was taken care of then. So anyway, we're kind of going into a basics mode for a little while. So we're going to do the blood of Jesus this morning and for however long it takes. And we're going to be grounded in that. There's just little else. The word on Wednesday and the blood on Sunday. There's not much you can't whoop. The name of Jesus would be the only thing. And we will probably head off that away. Chapter 12, verse 12. Verse, uh, excuse me, verse 11. Well, let's always go back to the verse 10. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Verse 11, let's read it together. I'm in the King James. Do the best you can. Verse 11, ready, read. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Amen. Now, Barry, that made me think, can we do that video after the, after we get through here? Ah, of course he's got it. I, why did I ask? Hallelujah. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. There is, it's the most precious thing that's ever existed, the blood of Jesus. And we go over it all the time that how it was not the crucifixion that set us free. It wasn't the cross. It was the blood that was shed at that place. And we need to be careful. We need to be mindful not to idolize the vehicle or the tool that God used to get us redemption by looking to the cross. You know, we've sing, sang songs, the old rugged cross, and I'll... I can't even remember all of it, but it, it never mentions the blood. It always just mentions how the blood came. Well, that's like putting a, a picture of Jesus up on the wall. That's not Jesus. Right. Putting banners up on the wall to say, praise the Lord. Well, that's, that's it's got to be in here, not just something that you hang around here. They're called icons, and you just, you can't have icons because they will try to take the place of the real and so that's why you have certain faiths that dress up, and they have these pointy hats, and the, and the men wear dresses, and, and uh, they, they swing smoke around. Not making fun of that, but I'm just saying, that does nothing. That does nothing. What does something is when you believe. And if you look to those things, there's a high likelihood you can look to things and believe in them, you know, get your rosary out and start counting the beads, when actually it does nothing because it's a substitute. So we don't do icons here. Because we just I don't even like the words on the screen, but we 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 we're gonna be kind to visitors and to them. One time I told y'all one time we had a song and I looked around. The song, the words to it were twelve hallelujahs together. I, I certainly won't sing it for you, so you would but you've you seen that song, you just mm-hmm. There's people around there looking at the words. They're <laughs> Looking at the words like, oh, <laughs> well, moving right along. I hope bust my bubble there. The word overcame there means to conquer. They conquered. They conquered him by the blood of the lamb. The word means prevail. They prevailed over the devil, over the accuser. And it, the word literally means to secure the victory, to secure the victory. Let's go to first Peter chapter one. Now, you and I have an enemy. Sometimes we say he's stupid. And in truly he is, for he believes the lie. But it doesn't mean that he doesn't have, also have guile or wisdom, in a worldly wisdom. Uh, he's engaged every day. One thing that we have is a faithful devil. The one thing that's to our advantage is the devil can only be at one place at one time. But he's got a minion of, of uh, different ranking Uh, Underlings we see that in ephesians 6 principalities powers rulers of darkness and high places that sort of thing But he copied all of that from God's hierarchy. He didn't originate anything He was with it in heaven, so he just took it to the earth But the devil is committed and through his minions familiar spirits and others He has developed a scheme to undermine you specifically you the whole church of course, but you in specific. And familiar spirits, what they do is they go out. They, they're low-level devils, but they're, they're kind of like reporters. They come into your life, and they learn what your weaknesses are, you know, they, they, and they, they've set up temptations, things that we're, that we're uh, accusing the government of doing. They told me the other day that a smart TV can hear you what you're saying in your house. I don't know if that's true or not, but we don't like that. Uh, we, we <laughs> you know, all sorts of stuff. So the devil's like that. He's, he's the original dad. The Bible says, the Lord Jesus in John ten ten 10 says that the thief comes to, I wrote it down, embezzle, murder, and neutralize your life. Steal, kill, and destroy. The word destroy there actually means to make one impotent, unable. Takes away your strength. Like the bionic man just takes his, un- unplugs him. And so, uh, over the years, over the centuries, since the Lord Jesus uh, got the victory for us, people have thrown everything they can at the devil. Have you all ever seen a, uh, I hope you haven't, but the vampire movies where they, they say if you'll, what is it, you'll drive a silver cross, a wooden stake, silver stake. You know the story, you know, that the devil will be, Denied and all sorts of things where you do rituals things take of this and do of that and do a this and whatever All of it is useless. It is futile. And as a matter of fact uh, The the la- the devil laughs at that sort of stuff and he promotes it But when the blood of jesus is invoked Everything stops and everything changes It's so simple. You could miss it. It's so elementary. It's so principal. That you could say, well, that's not special enough. We need something that's scarce, hard to find, valuable. We need the chalice that Jesus drank out of. We need a splinter from the cross. We need someone that can come in and and shake the smoke around and, and, you know, all that. All of that stuff is just man's wisdom working out in works. In 1 Peter chapter 1, the blood of Jesus the blood of Jesus for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation that's king james for lifestyle received by tradition from your fathers but what were we redeemed with but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Let me read it in the New Living, just to iron out any kinks in there. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold and silver. You know, some churches used to buy indulgences, If someone had sinned or specifically had died without God, you could go to the priest and pay gold or silver and redeem their life out of hell. Of course, you know, there was a money back guarantee, but nobody ever could claim it because they didn't know where the guy went. (laughs) What a great deal. I'm thinking about (laughs) it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God, spotless lamb of God. That's it right there. We're going to talk about it some more, but that's really it right there. The Weast, which is kind of a dignified, amplified, says, But with costly blood, highly honored, blood as of a lamb is without blemish and spotless, the blood of Christ. It says here that we were redeemed, not atoned, but redeemed. You need to know they're not interchangeable. We were redeemed. We were bought out of judgment and we were saved. So uh, we, one version says you, you, you were ransomed. But I do know of uh, world religions like the Buddhists, the Hindus, the, the uh, Muslims, all those people, they're, well, all, all religions actually, except Christian, all of them have a ransom that you pay. You bring a sacrifice. You live a clean life or else or you serve the, the temple or the whatever. It's a ransom to please God, but you have to pay it, and it's never enough. There's a Christian, so-called Christian denomination, and I won't speak them, but you probably know, but they, they claim that you cannot know if you're born again until you hit heaven's door, and it's you know left or right. You, you just never know till you get down the chute and it, it uh, you hope the valve or the track changes so that you hit the right shoot The good shoot they, they claim that and they are a mainline Christian denomination and because they don't know that they strive They strive to be good enough they, you, others say 144,000 completely misconstruing that Little promise completely taking that out of whack. That's the jews in the tribulation but uh several are are in works. And even now in this day of grace, 2,000 years of grace, we're in the age of grace. God's not attributing anybody's sins to anybody. Jesus bore them all. He took them all. We are redeemed from sin. Now, that day is going to end, but we'll be raptured out before it is. But that that day will end. It's not like it's always been and it always will be. Jesus, when he went to the cross and died and, and shed his blood, he ushered in the 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 generation or the time of grace. So people sin now because they look around and say, well, there was no lightning and no didn't lose my job and my kids are still here. God must not exist or he just doesn't notice or the church is full of baloney. They don't really know what sin is. But none of that is true. Well, the church may be full of baloney. I'm not not sure about some of them, amen. So uh, I'm thinking about the blood that it's the most unlikely thing that any God or anybody would use as a spiritual entity to save people, to deliver people. Can you just not think of silver and gold and diamonds? Can you not think of majestic robes and things? And you go, that's, that's the people. But the word says that he's no respecter of persons. Person. So... It's got to be the same for the rich or the poor. Don't you just love it that the rich have to go on diets just like everybody else? Don't you just love it that you know they have to go to the doctor for rheumatism and for a headache just like all of us? Don't you just love it they have to go to bed on time? They can't just—they are so limited. All and then they have to worry about their money. Are you worried about who's going to get your money? Ah, you might someday, but not right now. So God has always, always, always from the beginning, from the beginning dealt with blood turn with me to Leviticus if you want to or I'll read it to you chapter 17 and let's let's go back to the beginning let's see where we are here yeah Leviticus now that's where your p- pages stick together and for good reason too <laughs> let's go on vacation we'll go somewhere where the sun's shining, the sand's warm, and we'll read Leviticus. You're by, you're by yourself on that beach. <laughs> Chapter 17, verse 11. Once you, the reason we turned is so that you can mark it in your Bible. I, I hope you put a little star or a circle or a check mark, or, you know, an arrow, whatever you do. I've got all sorts of things that nobody knows about in my Bible. And uh, you ought to have stuff so that when you're leafing it through it. I knew right where that, that scripture was. I knew right where it was on the page. I knew it was in the bottom left corner of my Bible because I knew I'd marked it. I knew where it was on the page. I just couldn't remember which book. It says in verse 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Let's say it together. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And then he goes on and says, I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. In verse 14, it says, For it is the life of all flesh. The blood of it is for the life thereof. So, life is in the blood. It's not in your lungs. It's not in your heart. It's not in your brain. It's in your blood. And if you lose your blood or the power of your blood, then you lose your life. But you can have, those, you can have the blood and have other things or not have other things and still uh, be alive. Uh, So the scriptures teach us from from Genesis forward, and we're going to look at one in Genesis, teach us that everything God does, everything that concerns our standing with him, our agreement with him, our relationship to him, everything passes through the blood. There's nothing, nobody going around, nobody going over. Everything goes through the blood. And so however you go is... However, it'll end up the kind of blood. If you go by the blood of bulls and goats, then that kind of blood will limit you or restrict you to what you have in God. Uh, Your authority, your strength, your ability, your wisdom, all of it has to be identified with and vouched for by the blood that has redeemed you, atoned you or redeemed you. Now, I know this is basic, and I know all of, all of us know this, but let's get it down in us and build on top of that, that it is the blood. It is not our works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, by the blood, he has saved us. It is the blood, and it's the basis of everything. The reason people are guilty and feel condemned at times is because they've done things that are worthy of condemnation, but they don't know that every time God looks at us, he puts on those blood glasses so to speak. And he looks at us through the blood and he can't see it. Matter of fact, one of the most uh, wonderful or amazing things about God himself is that he has the ability on himself to forget. You go, oh, God knows everything. Well, he, until he says, thou shalt, self, you, thou shalt con- forget. So when we, co- when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us, Cleanse us, cleanse us in our mind, our soul, from all unrighteousness and to cleanse us from his memory. The word says, I think it's in the book of Micah, that uh, he casts it in the sea of his forgetfulness. Well, how can God forget anything? He's God. I don't know how that works, but if you're God, I guess you can make up the rules when you start out and make them work for you and everybody else. He cannot remember. So when we come back dragging to him, say, Lord, I know I've done this before, but here I am. If you confess it out, he doesn't know about the before. It's fresh. It's like you're being, there's no double jeopardy, so to speak. It's one, everything stands on its own because of the blood. He looks at us only through the blood and he sees us only in Jesus and we are the redeemed. And we did mess up, and we did do a bad thing, and we we shouldn't have, and all the things that we had power and tools and strengths and gifts of the Holy Ghost to to live above it, but yet we stumbled and we fell. If not sins of commission, sins of omission, where we just... uh, I knew a pastor in Seminole that uh, we went to Minister Alliance one time, and uh, we we were laughing about something, and he said... uh, we're still talking about people calling at all hours. That's where I developed the thing that said, if you call me after 10 o'clock at night, there better be blood. <laughs> it was a joke, but some people took it so serious. And, but anyway, he said, uh, he said, Well, the way I get people to quit calling me is I just named my bed the Word. And so when they called at 10 o'clock in the morning, I just said, They said, What are you doing, Pastor? He said, I'm in the Word. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that works or not but um, that's what he said he did. So you can only go to the to the level in God with authority, with power, with ability, with favor, with wisdom, only based upon the blood that vouches for you, that you are identified with. And so if you are identified with like I said with blood of bulls and goats, then you are you are limited. You can only go so far. The blood of bulls and goats cannot redeem us. It, it, it atones us. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9. Now, Hebrews talks about the blood. Can we just spend a little time this morning getting some basics in that you, you go, I knew that. What's this all about? Well, you heard it's what that means. Heard it is not know it. There should be no condemnation in this body. Because there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. We should never be condemned. I should never hear of you and I being depressed. Depressed is a hopeless state. Depression is a, all my plans went awry and now what am I going to do? Depression is an endless loop of negativity. We never have that. That's not who we are. That's why. Because we know the integrity of the word. And we know the blood of Jesus never fails, never fails. God never takes those, those blood of Jesus glasses off and said, well, that's what you look like, you nasty thing. I sure didn't know it. Well, no, he wouldn't in the, in the blood of Jesus. Hebrews, uh, did you know in the Old Testament, let me say this first, back before the Old Testament, before the recorded history, the one thing, they didn't have contracts back then, they didn't write up on a scroll, they didn't even have things to write on back then. So how people got along with other people that were mean or warlike or, or how they made deals is only one way that was sure, and it was the blood covenant. And they went through a little process there, but they would both shed their blood and they would come together and they'd make a deal. And it was so binding in that day, so, a blood covenant was so binding that if you failed to meet the covenant, your family would come and stone you because no one could live under the umbrella or the authority of someone who had broken a blood covenant. And so it's kind of like when somebody gets a, a scourge in the house or a, a whatever. Let's say it different than that. If something comes into your house, you stomp it out before it gets on all of you. And so that's what it was. I said, you, you did the blood covenant. We witnessed it. So that when, so that meant something to Abraham when God put him to sleep and by the Holy Ghost, the furnace in that, uh, Genesis 16, 17, somewhere in there where he walked through there and he cut a blood covenant with the Lord Jesus and he wasn't even with us. Therefore, if we didn't make it, we can't break it. And it's an everlasting covenant, but even God himself did it with blood. There is no other way. And so these people in old times, if you did a blood covenant, you're, you're stuck. You're, you're in. There's no way you can undo a blood covenant. Uh, they were highly respected. Well, we've got away from that. And now we've got into, in these last days, into money. If you have enough money, you can buy out of a deal. You can break your promise. Uh, I knew a man in, uh, in when I was farming that... Uh, we all, a lot of people contracted their cotton back in 1975. And that meant that you'd promised to deliver to the mill, and they promised to give you a dollar a pound. Well, that was unheard of. We were all getting 55 cents a pound. And people contracted their cotton. And there wasn't any cotton in the world at that time, and so it was a great deal. But some thought it was going to go to $2. Do you all know Greedy Bob and And uh, Stingy Sam, well, they were there, and so they did not contract. Uh, No, excuse me. They didn't contract for a dollar. They contracted when it was going up to a dollar, and they contracted for 60 cents because that was just amazing, 60 cents. 70, of course you'd sign. Well, some people waited for a dollar. Well, when cotton came into harvest, the mill was wanting to get their cotton. We've come with our 60 cents to buy everything that you contracted for. And I, I, there was a wealthy, fairly well-to-do farmer that was there, and I heard him at the coffee table over there in the cafe. He said, I tell you, my word's not worth a dollar a pound. I'm not gonna deliver my cotton, I'm breaking the contract so then I can sell it on the open market for a dollar. Now, I may have mistold that a little bit, but the general thing is, he said, my name, my word is not worth that many thousands of dollars. And I never liked him after that. And he, he, he never made anything. He never did anything good that I ever knew about. But anyway, my point is we got to keep our word because it's based on the blood the way we keep it. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. You notice how we're just kiting along here with my long stories. Verse 22 And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Here it is right here. And without shedding of blood is not, excuse me, is no remission. Without shedding of blood is no remission. The Amplified says without the shedding of blood, there is neither release from sin and its guilt, nor the remission of the due and merited punishment for sins. Everything in the kingdom of heaven works off the blood. So now you see why. Jesus paid an awesome price for us because he gave his blood. But to give your blood, as we saw in Leviticus, you had to give your life. If it was was a hand or a foot, he could have lived. But he had to give his blood. And he was completely drained of his blood, the most precious thing that's ever existed. So the, the currency in America right now is the U.S. dollar. There's nothing else. The yen won't work here. The Deutschmark mark won't go here. The frank, it, it doesn't work. But the U.S. American dollar, that is our currency. But that currency has no weight in heaven. You put together $10 million and you think, I got something I'm going to work on St. Peter with, so to speak. I'll give him 5000000 million. He'll think, I, I'll let you in for four. But it doesn't work that at all. Not when the streets are paved with gold. It's kind of hard to seduce a guy that's <laughs> with American dollars when they don't even have anything. So the spiritual realm of currency is the blood of Jesus. Amen. Everything rises and falls on Jesus, period. But Jesus, is, his emblem or his identity is the blood. His, his authority in heaven, his authority to redeem us, his authority to take care of the devil... Is not by some magic thing where you say, in the name of Jesus. It's not a magic amulet or, or oath or whatever. It's based on the blood. Everything we have, no matter how it's administered or carried out, is based upon the blood of Jesus. There is no, there is no, nothing that can stand up against the blood of Jesus. It's, it's the sovereign thing or item in, in the whole world. So... Uh, He redeemed us with His blood, so He redeemed us with His life. And then He put, because of the blood, He put His life in us at the new birth. And it was that blood transaction that made us family, that made us one. That's how how a man and a woman, when they get married, the Bible says the two shall become one. It's a flesh covenant, but there's got to be a blood exchange even in that. During consummation, there's a blood exchange, or should be, and so that covenant is binding. You can't just, you know, say, "Well, I'm tired of her, and I'm going to go get me a a, a, a a different model or whatever." Not in God. Now, I mean, we we, we mess up stuff, and and uh, when a man man starts uh, beating up on a woman, uh, the thing about God hates divorce is always precluded that. God loves deliverance. And there's no, there is, God hates divorce, we can't divorce thing. You start whooping up on her, I'm going to hold you down while the Lord takes you off and whips you. <laughs> so just get the religion out of it, it's my point. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, are we still there? Let's look in verse 6. Let's back up just a little bit here. It says verse 6, Now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, So, you know, there's three spots to the temple or the tabernacle accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself. Now, what blood did he offer? If you read in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you'll find all the things that the high priest had to do to himself to just get him in the door. And it was so iffy that the Bible says that they tow, tied a rope around his ankle. And he, he, he drug his end of the rope and they held on to the other end. And if they ever heard a thump, <laughs> they, dr- they, dr- they drug Leroy out and say, okay, next. You better get behind your ears this time. They, they, yeah, you missed a spot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> verse uh, 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he saith, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. "...because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind, and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest." For I will be merciful to those to their unrighteousness and their sins and iniquities here it is will I remember no more now the story on that is is when they when the high priest went in he had to be sanctified he had to be so squeaky only the high priest could do it he had to have certain robes on it had the medallions of all the twelve tribes he had a certain hat on he had a linen underwear That he had to put on a certain way and he had to wash this way and wash everything to get him ceremonial clean Now, you know none of it worked as far as the natural God didn't say whoo There's a good boy that came through the door He just accepted it because of his terms. He said I'll you'll know that it took a cleansing to get in here if I set up all these rules It was on his side so that the high priest and the people would know Leroy's going in I you know watch out but uh He'd go in there and then he would, he would sprinkle or scatter the blood of, of, a, of a spotless lamb or on the altar, which was the Ark of the Covenant. So then then he would turn around and come out. Well, all that did, and we say this all the time, that it was just paying the note, the interest on the note. It didn't pay off anything, it just got the note was due. And the wages of sin are death, and the life you've got to pay up. And Israel could not pay up because they were under an inferior covenant. So God gave them a plan where they could just pay the interest on the note until the, Israel could come with the price that it took to pay it off, which was Jesus. So he went in once a year because it only lasts that one year, and he'd pay the price with the blood of bulls and goats. And it took it took it, they never forgot that they were under condemnation. They knew that next year's coming. Just like if you have a, you know, a car note or that's paid annually, you know in December, we're going to have to come up with a $6,000 to pay on the car or whatever. And if you don't, then they either call for the loan and they take your car or you go in and negotiate and say, I'll pay the interest on it if you'll let me go another year. Happens all the time. You know that. Well, that's what, that's what this actually happened. The, uh, the message translation. Just uh, abide me for a minute. I want to read it this way. And this was set up, the priests went about their duties in the large tent. Only the high priest entered the smaller inside tent, and then only once a year, offering a blood sacrifice for his own sins and for the people's accumulated sins. This was the Holy Spirit's way of showing with a visible parable. That's why I wanted to read this. That as long as the large tent stands, people can't just walk in on God. Under this system, the gifts and sacrifices can't really get to the heart of the matter, can't assuage the conscience of the people, but are limited to matters of ritual and behavior. It's essentially a temporary arrangement until a complete overhaul could be made. Yea, Jesus. But when the Messiah arrived, high priest of the superior things of this new covenant, he bypassed the old tent and its trappings in this created world and went straight into heaven's tents, the true holy place once and for all. He also bypassed the sacrifices consisting of goat and calf blood, instead using his own blood as the price to set us free for once and for all. That's what happened. And so there's no looking back. We should never be condemned. We should never be guilty. I I refuse to be guilty. If you did it, go repent. Go confess your sin. If you didn't do it, stand strong. You'll be redeemed in this world. Truth will win out. But don't be guilty, not one day. If you did it, own up to it and get it out of your life. You cannot live. No one can live under the guilt and shame of sin. It'll drive you wild. And that's why people that have done that And they have a praying grandmother or they used to go to church or whatever their thing that leans in on them without being saved. They commit suicide. They they get the bottle out. They start doing crazy things because we can't live under it. And you and I can't live under it either. We have to deal with sin because Jesus paid the sin price. He took care of the sin problem. And there is no sin problem. Amen. Well, I messed up. Yeah, you did. I did. We sure did. But it doesn't matter. That's not how it works. So the blood of bulls and goats was able to atone for sin. And that simply means it had, an, it had an expiration date. You got 12 months, boys and girls, to live under this. And then we got to renew the note or out you go. So that was an atoning blood. We are not under an atoning blood, which has a, a back end that has a, uh, an expiration date. Ours is perpetual. He went into the holy place once and for all for us. Now, I'm going to just read this. Don't turn there. It's in Genesis two, 2. You know the principle in the word that says the earlier something is mentioned, the stronger weight it has on redemption, on the whole word. Well, this is Genesis 2, so this is way back there. Uh, the, the Lord was dealing with Adam and, he, and, and Eve. He said, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... Thou shalt not eat of it. Okay, that's, that's tough stuff. That's big boy language. You, don't do it, don't do it. For in the day that thou eatest, thereof thou shalt surely die. Okay, there's the back end of it there. Well, y'all know Adam surely died because he ate of it. He died spiritually, which means that his body would follow. The residue lasted a lot of years from the eternal life that was in him. It lasted a lot of years, and his body had lived 900 and something years. He's just a few years short of Methuselah, but the first 10 men in the Bible all lived a long time. People did back then. And so uh, the point here is, is if you disobey, if you sin, thou shalt surely die. That is the principle in the word. And so when we sin, we should pay the penalty which God put in the early, thou shalt surely die. So, Jesus had to come. They had to keep paying the note year by year. And then Jesus came and paid it once for all and got us redeemed. And now the penalty, which is still that, has been taken. He took it on himself for us. So, the penalty is still, the judgment is still invoked. It's just not on you and me. He took our place. He substituted for us. He identified with our sins so we could identify with his righteousness and and to to not know that to live by it, to say I believe it but be condemned, we don't know who we are and we don't know what's been done. We don't have a basis. We don't have a this is a football that said I'd never feel bad about that. I repented of that. Well, don't you know it's how it's hurt the family? It doesn't matter. I said sorry to y'all. I said sorry to God. I'm done. I'm clean. Y'all do with it what you want, but I'm free. Because family and business people, they will take you down and try to make you something that Jesus says you're not. Um, are we still in Hebrews? Let's look in verse 11 of chapter 10. I'm, I'm winding her up here. Not because I got finished, just because I'm going to stop. Hallelujah. Verse 11 of, of Hebrews 10. And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices. Look, look, look which can never take away sins. Take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Now I want to remind you that in the tabernacle, there was no chair. The priest could not sit down because it was not finished. But Jesus... Sits at the right hand of the Father. Sitting means the business is concluded. We're done with the transaction. And Jesus sat down because it says here, he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of the Father. Do we have time for one more scripture, y'all? Uh, this will be, be worth it. Turn, t- turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 24 and then we'll we'll do something else now since y'all haven't been coming to church in weeks i i, I still have mercy and i think we should be through by 2 or 3 o'clock <laughs> you know we, you got to make up for lost time don't we second samuel chapter 24 now the lord is so good i mean his he is so good that he does not leave us without a record in the in the the canon that that makes what we find in the New Testament stand only on its own he gives a what's called a type or a shadow or a parable a shadow in the old and promises the people of the old even though they won't uh, Hebrews 11 said they never tasted it but he Put it in front of them. In chapter uh, 24, verse 21, and Aruna said, I don't know if I said that right, but that's the way it's going to go. Aruna said, Wherefore is my Lord the king come to his servant? Why did you come, king? David said, To buy the threshing floor of thee, to build an altar unto the Lord, that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Aruna said unto David, let my lord the king take and offer up what seemeth good to him. Behold, here be oxen for burnt sacrifice and threshing instruments and other instruments of the wood of the oxen for wood. He said, we're going to burn all the tools. You know, tools were valuable back then. A yoke, a harness a... and all these things did Aruna as a king given to the king. And Aruna said unto the king, the Lord thy God accept thee. And the king said unto Aruna, David said, nay, but I will, here it is, I will surely buy of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which cost me nothing. Now this this is powerful. I I hope you have that underlined there because it's a principle in the kingdom you can't bring things that cost you nothing to god we have to even be mindful now, i don't want to meddle or anything but we have to be mindful that we don't just tip god probably enough said about that but but it's it's got to cost you something it's got to get you over on the edge i've lived on the edge all my spiritual life i've lived on the edge I'm not bragging, I'm just saying it's something I got. I got this scripture way early. Somebody taught it and I heard it and I said, "I'm going to live on the edge." Now God doesn't care if you live on the edge, but I can tell you you put a lot more value and worth into something that is precious to you. Like if God doesn't come through, we're we're not going to eat next week or something like that. <laughs> you know, that's a lot different than the than the two rich guys that just threw in out of their overflow. And the widow put in everything. Jesus said she did something that cost her something. These boys, it didn't didn't change their menu for the week or the, the bridles on their horses in the month. Very important that we know a sacrifice, he says here, listen, a sacrifice that costs you nothing is called unacceptable. So when you say to God, I'll go where you want me to go and do what I want you to do, be careful of those vows, because you have to have follow-through. You have to have some sort of follow-through. It, it doesn't mean you have to do anything. Uh, like uh, Ananias and Sapphira, when uh, Peter said, was it not your own when it was under your control? But you came and said, I've brought it all, and you lied to the Holy Ghost, because you were saying to everybody, yeah, I'm just like Barnabas, I brought it all. When in fact, you kept back the price of the land. He said, we, we should not it should cost you something. It cost Barnabas, it should cost you. And so we search out the best we have. Now listen, we search out the best we have. We search out the best we have. Even, even to this building, it's, it's the best we have. And we spent $24,000 fixing this little, this little room, this little fellowship hall up, so that it would be acceptable to us so that we would know God would supply, he would replenish, he would bring us back if we did it. It's, it's Old Testament. I know that's law and he doesn't care and we don't care. But on the other hand, there's just something in us that says God's excellent. I want to be excellent and I'm going to, I'm going to bring what is my best to him. We talked about the other day how the tithe is not just 10%, but it's your first 10%. Because that's a value. You don't know if you have enough to get to the end if you give it first. And you can use that kind of your negotiating token to say, I'm going to pay the electric bill and the house rent. And if there's anything left over, I'll I'll bring it to God. Now, see, that's unacceptable. Even though it's the same amount of money. I brought it, Lord. It was 100. I brought 100. It's not the same. Do you all see this? Not my rule. But it's the word. Praise God. The blood of Jesus. We're going to fight different battles from now on. Not that we didn't know about the blood. I'm convinced, and I'll just say this since we're going to blow out the clock anyway. It's 5 till 12 if y'all want to know. <laughs> I'm just used to getting out earlier than that. But I'm convinced this is my, because I want River Church to go. I want it to be everything it's supposed to be. I want, I want us to, to be where we're supposed to be. And I'm convinced that we should, uh, 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 well, we should be strong in our city. And I know it looks like we are the least of the least in so many ways. It, it, Gideon said, I'm the least in my father's house who is of the least tribe. And uh, he, he, he put himself in his place and the Lord said, that's just the boy I'm looking for. You, you hadn't got any of this and you hadn't got any of that pride and this, this we can do it of our own strength. Uh, our nation thinks that, and what else could they think, that we're going to plow out of this thing and we're going to be just fine. We're going to be come back as before. It's not necessarily going to go that way for the nation. But I can tell you it's going to go that way for you and me. Malachi talks in chapter four about there's going to, in the end days, there'll be a difference between the righteous and the unrighteous. And I can tell you there has not been much, not much evidence. Not, but we have peace. We, we, you, well, there's a lot of things we have that don't show, but, but outwardly, you know, you're tithing every week and, the, and Leroy next door's just got a new boat so he can go to his new lot and in his new cabin. And you're going, we're just, we're just blessed here to be, put the kids through school. And that's fine. We give our best. But I tell you, there's a time that's here. There's going to be a demonstration. And you need to not know, you need to know that it's not just happenstance. It's by design. It's according to our time. And it's according to our ability to receive it. Anybody can be around the blessings and get blessed. But when the blessings are coming out of you, it's different. And that's what the Lord wants to do. Uh, in Matthew 25, he talks about, he gave, he gave his livelihood to five, two, and one talents. And he said, what you do with them is going to determine everything I can do with you. It wasn't a matter of them. It was the Lord saying, what, what do you got? What have you got? And if you don't have much, we're just going to put you over there and let you take care of the cow and the horse. But if you've got some stuff, we're going to let you run, sit over here and run the machinery or run the marketing or whatever. It's sort of like that. Be strong. Dig in. I don't know what you're doing or not doing. It's not my business. I sure don't care, but I would, I would up it no matter where you are. The times dictate it. Now, if you need, if you need a sign in the sky, if you need God to scrawl it on the wall, if you need a, an angel to come and appear to you and say, these are the times that you've got to be strong, you'll go, well, doggone, Pastor was right. I didn't believe him, but look at he, looky he here. It's not going to come you got to get it down here where we get everything. We get it down here. We don't get it out here, but certainly out here we can see. These are those days. And we just went through this thing that seems medical. And in its impact to the world, it is medical. But it's not medical. It's a, contri- it's a contrivance. And it's, it's meant to, like many things in our culture, to chip away with our nation, which... Is precious, but every nation's precious, but to chip away at the church. There's prophecies that talk about the United States. They're very veiled and very, they're not strong. Of course, United States, where, where were we when the Bible was wrote? So, but uh, we are the main arm of evangelism in the world, and we are the main uh, engine that runs evangelism in the world. We've got money here, and we've always been as a nation generous. And let me just tell you this, and I'll try to quit. The reason America's blessed is not because of our resources and not even because of our people. There's good people everywhere. If they're not good, they've been trained. They've been environmentally uh, squashed to be not good. And there's bad people in America. The reason America is blessed is because our founding fathers put Jesus, put the Word of God, put the principles of heaven into our government. And that's what makes us blessed. We are one nation under God. And they've come at that many, many times to say, take that out. And they got our flags doing this. And they've got our uh, Christmas nativities. You can see they're chinking away at everything. And you go, who are these people? They're people that don't care. They're just full of the devil. Full of the devil. And you go, well, who? what kind of full of the devil? If you're not born again, you're full of the devil. You're godless. And a lot of our people in office are Godless. They may say they go to this church or that, but they are godless. If they're not born again and not renewing their mind, they're godless. Well, we can't, we can't school them. All we can do is hold our ground. And I'm going to hold my ground. Amen. And that's why Deborah said we're not going to ever close. I'm going to hold my ground. Now, it's not, I'm not an anarchist. I'm certainly not a rebel. I, I'll never be a rebel. But we're going to look at some things in the future that talk about where the, where the Lord has mandated these things would come. He said these things would come, and he's told us how to deal with them. And so this was kind of a drive-by. This COVID thing is a drive-by. The devil played his hand. I've heard many people uh, talk about uh, uh, the so-called deep state, and I don't want to get into that, but, and I don't know about that, but said that they had plans for the COVID, but that Hillary was going to be the one that would carry it out. And it has wrecked their plans that President Trump is in office. And you understand it's absolutely essential to these plans for President Trump to not be the new president. They Just pack your bags, Gertie, because if, if he's not president again, we will have a, the church will have a harder time doing what we must do. Whether easy or hard, we will do it, but it'll be harder without this president. Because he cares. I, listen, he's rough. He's this, that, and the other. He's not one of us. If he had been Presbyterian or Methodist or Baptist, we wouldn't have voted for him because he wasn't our kind. I told my mother, I said, okay, this guy's a Mormon. He, maybe he's born again. Catholics can be born again, uh, you know. But uh, nah, she wasn't going to vote for him. She'd rather vote for a, a Hindu or a Muslim or a whatever was coming down the pike. You know, and I'm sorry, mother, I didn't mean to tell that. (laughs) But I lean on my mother and she has to take a lot. You know, I can't see her rolling her eyes. But anyway, all is well. We're not agitators. We're not going to overthrow anything. We're going to deliver Tuscaloosa County to the Lord Jesus and we're going to have a move of God in Alabama. Now, I don't know how, but there's two entities that have been raised up about Alabama recently and they're looking to to us to say you got prophecies they went online and found our prophecies and therefore they found us they did a search and and the alabama prophecies are on billingsministries.org you'd look at them they found them so hey things are good we're prospering we're secure we've got a story that makes us have glory if you don't have a story where I stood and having done all the stand, I stood there for. If you don't have that, if you are pine the sky all the way down, you never had to stand. You never had I hope you didn't squeal like a schoolgirl when this COVID came in. I hope you didn't whine and carry on and all is me. I hope you didn't belly up and say we're all, what are we gonna do? And I hope you didn't. It may be you thought it, but I hope you didn't say, Woe is me, we are the church.